Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Thank you so much for joining us. As you know, we are going through this COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm hoping that you are all keeping your hands clean, washing your hands twice if you have to, maintaining your social distancing, and um, hopefully we'll come back at the end of this whole pandemic stronger, better, and of course, more emotionally capable to withstand stress, right? So Hang on as we listen to part two of Heather's interview. I hope you enjoy. I have a, a handful of other things I'd like to touch on in terms mm-hmm. of um, uh, mostly for people who are um, family members or friends of people that they um, who have been struggling. I think that it's important for people to realize that it's not just the isolated, sad young adult <laughs> who struggles with this that it can be you know some faithful middle-aged lady in church who dotes on her family oh, it can be you know it pastor. can be we had a pastor recently yeah. a pastor in Nigeria yeah. kill himself so yeah you thank you for that yeah it can be it's it's anybody um i think some things to look out for um that people who are isolating themselves who struggle with emotional trauma and who are self-medicating are high risk. Um, that's kind of an, a perfect storm uh, for people who um, make impulsive decisions that lead to tragedy. Um, I think uh, recognizing that in people around you, regardless of whether you um, think that they would do anything or not, you're probably assessing the situation wrong. Because if those, uh, those things are um, all present, like I said, isolating themselves, having some sort of emotional trauma, whether it's perceived or actual trauma and self-medication. Um, the, I think the cure for people who are acutely suicidal is um, maintaining connection. Um, and that is one of the main things that I think that you can do um, who, for those of us who are with people that we're worried about is maintaining that connection. Thank you. Um, Thank you for saying that. Last week I had a guest who is a nurse and her brother had suffered chronically from, you know, drug abuse, alcoholism, and they had been making connections nonstop. And the one weekend 
the one weekend that he reached out to her and she was somewhere, I don't remember where, she asked her dad to go check up on her and her dad, her dad was like, oh, you know, I've been drinking, I'll go tomorrow, something like whatever. Either way, that was the night. That was the night. The one time that they didn't. So there's power in, in staying connected. I know when I was suicidal, acutely suicidal, I remember my partner, she just, she shut down everything she was doing. I don't remember how many days it took, but she was like, nope, we're going to be here with you. We're going to walk through. We're going to talk through. We're going to be, you know, just do through it, whatever you have to do. And then, of course, I got therapy. I got medication. But she was there, fully present. And that is so critical. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I also want people who are... um, having eagle eyes on the people around them, which we all should, um, about the physical complaints, uh, the physical concerns, I should say, that will, um, that sometimes will be the sign of emotional injury. Um, We talk about, you know, vegetative symptoms, sort of like anorexia and insomnia or hypersomnia, um, or even in younger people, abdominal pain. ongoing abdominal pain with negative workups right um or for geriatric folks um who they're not eating they're not caring for themselves you think they're getting dementia but in fact they're just giving up um there are a lot of people who come in with chest pain or trouble breathing that are manifestations of anxiety anxiety yeah um but it's not just anxiety, I mean, anxiety seems easy to blow off, but it's like anxiety is the symptom perhaps of emotional injury um, that could lead to enough depression to have someone be acutely suicidal. So I think it's, um, I think people in general are afraid to ask people um, whether they think they could be depressed or whether they're thinking about hurting themselves. Um, You are are not going to put that idea in somebody's mind by asking them. So um, just ask. Um, someone will either say, oh my God, like, no, you know, like I have this to look forward to and that yes. to look forward to, and, yes. you know, or, yes. or they'll say, or they'll be like, oh, I, actually, yes. yes um, but, exactly. you're, but you're not going to make anyone say, oh, think yeah, about killing themselves. About it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Dr. Kristen uh, Therese, who is a psychiatrist, she told us one of my favorite phrases so far to this day, she said, people, it's easier for people to say yes than to say I need help. In other words, yes, I am hurting versus I'm going to come to you and say, Heather, I need help. So it, it's better to ask them the questions, always yeah. ask them the questions and yeah. don't be up. And you're right. Most people are afraid because they don't know what to do next. What if she says yes, then what? Oh my goodness. You know, but imagine if you were the one that they said yes to and you saved that person's life. So right. kind of look at it that way. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that for sure. I think um, also um, we need to, I mean, this could be a whole 30, 30 minute conversation itself, but, um, you know, removing our judgment about this being like that person's crazy or they have like this mental illness. And that's why I have been clearly choosing my words about calling this emotional injury or emotional illness, because it is the same in my mind as a body illness 
or a body injury. It's a real thing. Um, and the, the judgment around this topic is isolating people more and causing them to not come to us for help. That's um, true. That is true. Um, I think it was in 2016 that the WHO went live to basically finally pronounce the fact that not mental illness, but the stigma of mental illness is a global public health issue. Did you know about that? I think it was, um, I don't know. Yeah. The, yeah. But it was the stigma. I mean, and that's what you're talking about. The fact that we're going to say, oh my God. And you know what? Even I, now I talk about it more. And people still look at me like, what do you mean you were suicidal? Yes, I do have to own it because I was. That is my truth. But also I find that the more I talk about it, the more people are like, yeah, I am real and I can be suicidal because I'm a human. Not because I'm a doctor or this and that, all of the other things that they're, they're external. The real me was hurting so badly that I wanted out, period. And, um, and I had to not allow myself to, to think about the fact that people are going to judge me, but I have to keep on going. So people, maybe someone will hear me and maybe they'll say, well, you know what, me too, you know, maybe, just maybe. So I appreciate yeah, that. And the, and the more we talk about it, the more normalized it becomes. And again, not normalized, like people are going to start saying that they want to kill themselves, <laughs> but it, like when they, because it's a trend, <laughs> I'm saying it's like, people are going to be able to, to speak their truth yes, um, and not feel um, that they're alone um, and realize that it happens in everyone, including very highly functioning people. Yes. Um, and including comedians like, um, what's the gentleman, Mrs. Doubtfire, including people like that, who's like from, yeah. just from the left, from the left. Robin Williams, yeah. Robin Williams, yeah. Yeah, and that people are more alike with the most of the world than they think. Um, yeah. And I, you know, there is, you know, there is a portion of, of, um, of all of us that feels that we're an imposter, and there's a portion of all of us that think that people are paying more attention to us than we think that they are. And that, that's a lot of internal. Uh, pressure that we put on ourselves um so um and you spoke of you you touched on the world health organization so uh, again i work in global health i work in east africa doing emergency medicine education and um capacity development and uh there the global burden of disease uh has shifted over the last 10 to 15 years from um uh, infectious disease being the most the biggest killer in uh, low-resource uh, countries, um, and now it's creeping into hypertension and diabetes and and emotional mental health issues. Yes, as being. A, I did a study in, in about about Kenya recently, only because I had a Kenyan friend, and I was alarmed not that nigeria is doing any better but kenya specifically just the rate of suicide amongst the men in kenya in the villages to the point now that they have village like people that go around every night just making sure that no one is sneaking to go try to hang themselves it's that bad you know why do you think that is i don't know i think the who it was a bbc 
it was a BBC Africa thing that I watched. And they were just talking about the fact that poverty, HIV, alcoholism, and just overall hopelessness, you know. The disempowerment. Yes, the bad combination. That is true. Disempowerment is a powerful word. But they just feel hopeless. And then on the flip side, I looked at the Australian numbers in January after they had that. I don't know if you know about it, but there was a three-week window in January when they had nine suicides in kids aged like 10 to like 16 in Australia. And I was like, what the? So I started looking at it and they found out that those kids also, there's a lot of racism and just disempowerment, I guess, or lack of a better word. And just the kids just felt hopeless. And now also in Australia, they have, they cut down, I think it's Australians or is it the Kenyans, I forget, that cut down the trees. If a tree, if a child, if a person kills themselves on a tree, they cut the tree down. And you leave the stump as a reminder about the tree itself as like becomes like a I don't know an evil tree but it's so bad you're losing their tree because people just keep finding trees you know it's like oh my goodness but yeah 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 so for little kids too I think it's important to realize that they are not always going to be able to express um their thoughts um of why of what's going on so I mentioned sort of like ongoing like functional abdominal pain um, they they may distribute they may um, come to you with like physical complaints, but they also just may be more irritable and crying more, but being unable to tell you the thought of I'm feeling sad. And the importance of like recognizing that and getting people care early, because I think as with everything in parenthood, right. Um, nipping things in the bud early um, can often create much healthier adult futures. So not treating something um, as a child um, can certainly lead to longer, th- longer acting things. Um, yeah. The, uh, another thought is that um, the people who may be hiding things are probably more at risk, uh, especially those who, you know we're depressed and then are suddenly fine. You're suddenly fine. I, I mentioned that in one of my monologues, is that a monocast or whatever, solo cast, because a lot of the times when they suddenly become okay, they have made the decision. And therefore we need to monitor them even closer. If if you know what I mean? Like if last week they were sad and last month and last year and then all of a sudden they're just happy. It's like, oh I'm good. A lot of times they have finally make the decision and just a matter of time. So those are the ones we really have to follow like crazy because they have made the decision. And even with the teenagers, just to piggyback on what you said about the kids, the teenagers may suddenly start becoming like more hyperactive or more at or my more high risk behavior, start engaging in more high risk behavior because like they just don't care anymore. Or of course if a child, you know, is the football quarterback, he just suddenly doesn't want to play football anymore because it's like he's done. They've checked out. So that is a very, very important thing to mention. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So in my, you know, in my family, my my family member who killed himself this year, again, kind of a more elderly um gentleman, he, um, you know, he struggled with anxiety for a very long time. I don't think any of us really understood quite, quite how badly. Um, and he finally was like, Oh, I think that you should go out of town and visit your family, like to his wife. Um, and that was his, you know, his way of 
Getting oh, I'm fine. Mm. Yeah, I'm fine. You should go out of town and go have this great trip. And, you know, so things like that to keep in mind as well, that um, planning uh, does not always involve, you know, just how am I going to do it and what tools do I need to kill myself? It's um, removing other people from the situation. Yes, yes. That is a very, very good point that I have not really thought about, but thank you so much. Goodness. Um, Yeah, so um, there's a few things that I think too we can talk about. You mentioned um, kind of my other job is that I um, I'm a lifestyle medicine physician as well as an emergency physician. What lifestyle medicine is, is using the um, evidence of food and sleep and exercise, mindfulness, mindset around prevention and reversal of disease. And so I do coaching programs. I do consulting and telemedicine. One of the um, most interesting things I think I've learned through the process of becoming a lifestyle medicine physician is how much food and exercise can actually affect um, emotional uh, emotional injury and emotional illness. So um, there's actually interesting data that when people eat fast processed food, they have forty percent more likelihood of depression and anxiety. I believe. It. Uh, whether that is um, a symptom or a cause is not known, right? Um, but you are not choosing. If you are emotionally injured enough that you are unable to care for yourself, you are not going to be cooking um, fruits Healthy. and vegetables. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but additionally, I think that the um, for, and from my experience with helping hundreds of people improve their life skills around these things, Um, it is also clear to me that, um, eating, um, high processed food, meaning, uh, highly processed fats and sugars, the foods that the food industry has created to be addictive for you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, those foods, um, will also, they also affect your mood pretty dramatically. And that is because, um, your digestive hormones, your metabolic hormones, the hormones that your adipose tissue makes actually directly affects the hormones in your brain. So, um, and those foods are addictive. Um, The gut microbiome is affected by it. Uh, It changes your dopamine and serotonin levels in your brain. And so uh, while of course food is not the answer for acute suicidality, (laughs) it is, it is a tool um, that can be used to prevent significant depression, but also treat it. Um, and they have been able to show that unprocessed whole foods and being mostly plant-based can actually be as effective as a first-line antidepressant. So important. Additionally, you know, easy things to do is to talk to your doctor about getting vitamin D level checked, about getting your thyroid checked. Um, There are a few uh, medical conditions that can manifest in uh, depressed mood. Um, so those are important. Um, also, uh, you mentioned therapy. Um, you know, a good therapist is worth their weight in, in gold. Platinum. <laughs> platinum. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have, actually, I have a, a solo cast coming up about just getting the right therapist. I've had yeah. multiple guests who have 
just kind of beat around the bush for years trying to get the right one. And you know they're not right for you, but you just don't have any other option or whatever. But yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. That is worth its weight in platinum. There is, um, there is, however, there are, however, lots of things you can do for yourself. I mean, if you are depressed, um, but not enough so that you can't um, think about treating yourself, you know, because you can get to a point where there's just that you feel like there's no worth in your time. Um, you can do your own self cognitive behavioral therapy, and I do this with my um, clients with food all the time which is uh, recreating your own thoughts. So um, we, we, there is something called neuroplasticity, which means that our brains are not uh, set in stone and that there is always an option every moment and every day of rewiring your own brain. Uh, we, make, uh, we have 60,000 thoughts a day. Yes, of, heard about uh, that of, yesterday. Of which, 80% of them can be negative. I'm like, wow. Yeah, well, and of which um, very few of them were actually cognizant of. Um, they're all subconscious. And those thoughts are mostly based on, um, on our habits and our past. And we also make 700 new neurons a day, which means that we have the capacity to, um, to, to thoughtfully um, think the things the think the thoughts that we have to make those neurons create new habits uh, so that we can count on them in the future when we're not even conscious of them and so um, you know those thoughts they may be I'm not worth this I don't know what I'm doing no one think I, I don't know what I'm doing in my job but everyone else seems to you know all those things um, that we don't, we're not conscious of. I think of them as like train tracks that we go on um, all the time, just without, you don't think about the train tracks while you're on the train, right? The train's yeah. just going. Um, but you, but you have the opportunity to say, like recognize, oh, I just told myself I wasn't worthy of this job, but that guy is. Guess what? Like I am worthy of this job and I know things that no one else knows. Um, and, 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 and act on that thought, even if it feels, um, like you're faking it. Um, if you act on that thought, it is, it is now a new habit. And so you, every, every, every chance you have to recreate a thought for yourself, um, even if it feels fake, and I can't say that enough because it always does. Right. Um, then you next, the next thing you have is a result from the action that you took from that thought. Uh, you do that enough and your brain has rewired and made new train tracks and it becomes easier and easier and easier to believe in your own self capacity. Um, and I, um, and I also think about it. So train tracks is one analogy. The other thing that I've been thinking about recently, and I did a blog post on this not that long ago, is that your thoughts are also sort of like your phone's autocorrect, right? So you put something in and, the, and it autocorrects and you're like, I didn't mean that, right? Like, or like, whatever. You're like, no, I meant to say this. And it never lets you swear, you know, all the things your phone yeah. doesn't let you do. Um, and it does it without you meaning it to happen. 
um, that's also the way that our brain works. It does things because that's the way it's always done. But just like in your phone, you can go in and teach it. No, I actually meant that swear word. Yeah. <laughs> Stop saying ducking. I didn't. I know, that. right? <laughs> I love that. I that all the time. <laughs> and you can re you can reprogram it. You can do that with your brain as well. But if you don't consciously go in and and do that self cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy with yourself, it will continue to autocorrect you to whatever has been your habit in the past, and that can be with the choices you make around food or the choices you make around exercise or the choices that you um, make in your life in terms of how you're talking to yourself about your mood and your worth. So um, that's my, that's my coach hat for you right there. I love it. I love it. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you listened to my Facebook live or not yesterday, but we literally talked about evicting the bully inside your head, the internal. Oh, I love that. Yeah. The not enough syndrome all day. And so that's what kind of triggered me to write my blog post from last night, which was about me not ever listening to that. You're not good enough. You're not black enough. You're not whatever enough anymore. Because even the best of us still go through that, those thought processes. Wow. Dr. Heather, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we got past the time I was like, I'm going to let her just keep going. <laughs> make, <laughs> make two episodes out of this. But she, you were just doing so well. I love it. Do you have any favorite quotes for us? And then you've pretty much done the last part is usually any words of advice for those. But that's, that's kind of all you did today, just words of advice. So just a little <laughs> your favorite quote. And then, of course, where can the listeners find you i usually forget to ask that so i ask that yeah sure so i don't forget i have podcasts that i do for my clients um around food and mindset around food i additionally um, this would be a great time to announce for the first time that i do have my own podcast that Yay! is just launching this week i did not know that <laughs> I, I did not because i've been following you like a little i don't know what i am but. Um, I'm not a stalker, but I because you know because you were kind of like one of my first people. You were one of the. I made you come on a Facebook Live with me. Exactly, one of the first people to interview me. So I've just always kind of had you at the back of my mind, and your logo is on my website. I'm like, okay, part of my story. So, yeah. yeah. So, wow. Um, congratulations. That is fun. Thank you. Yes. One thing I always um, say in those podcasts is, um, is uh, you are worth this, you are valuable, and you are your whole you. And mm-hmm. that's my way of just saying, it, it, you are who you are, um, own it, and realize that that is enough. That is um, enough, that's right. Yeah. As hard as it is, unfortunately, the world and social media will not allow you, almost not allow you. And so it's okay to allow yourself to go on social media breaks, actually, because social media yeah. is a big part of, <sighs> negative <laughs> yeah so in terms of um you know my lifestyle medicine um work i uh i'm i'm at holist health on most social media so that's w-h-o-l-i-s-t health uh the word holist is a, a play off of medicine where we talk about hospitalists and cardiologists and internists and so being this is my opportunity to to treat the whole person so holist the holist health um, also at www.holisthealth.com 
I also have a public Facebook group where we do a lot of talk around sleep and food and exercise mindset, mindfulness. Um, that is uh, Holist's Curate Your Health. Um, and that is also the name of the podcast is Curate Your Health. Oh, wow. That's good. Congratulations on all levels. I have a confession. Maybe, maybe, maybe or maybe not. I have a, my brand new practice. I don't know if you know about this or not, but on my website, I actually stole the word holist. And I said that the Dr. Lulu focuses on the holist, I forget, the holistic, yes, yeah, what I use. Holistic, holistic yeah. um, medicine. I don't know how I phrased it because she focuses on the whole child. And I was like, yeah. I put a W in front of it. You know, most people say holistic yeah. with an H. Yeah. I put a WH because I focus on the whole child, which is true. Yeah. Not just yeah. here's my child, fix them. No, no, no. What about you? What about school? What about their friends? Right. Yeah. So the whole child. So I have a holistic with a W in front of it. Um, approach Perfect. to whatever I think. I don't know. But thank you so much. Wow. I know we're going to have two episodes out of this, but I, I appreciate you for coming on, especially when you're hurt and you just had such a good attitude about the whole thing. Tell me for sure that you are, you know, you're, you're, you're whole. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. The pictures of the food that you post on your Instagram and Facebook. I'm like drooling. I'm like, look at that colorful food. I love colorful <laughs> Yeah. You got to eat the rainbow, man. That's how you get all, you got to everything you need. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm always like, you pack everything for, sometimes you pack for like two or three nights. <laughs> I'm like, wow, yeah, you guys are beast. You know, I love it. <laughs> wow. Um, food definitely improves your cognitive agility. So it is important when you have an, when you have a job that requires you to be active and present and task shift as much as we do as physicians, I think it's even more important to fuel your body with things that will um, help with that cognitive agility. So I love important. it. Agility with a G. Okay. Mm -hmm. no, I wrote ability with a B, but you're right. Agility is just as good. So, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard her. And I always end by saying she came here and she laid it all out. And this one really did. Okay. She really, really did. She gave us, I mean, we touched on everything in her life in the ER at night. The, her special tribe of patients that are only hers. And, you know, she touched on personal stuff as well. And gun safety, home safety, the fact that you can't go about judging people who are already judging themselves so much so that they want to check out. You can't add to that. You cannot add to that. And just be aware. She touched on symptoms. She, talked, she touched on somatization, which I talk about all the time. The fact that when your child is having that leg pain or that stomach pain or that headache and you've gone to the doctor multiple times, and we can't find out what it is, it's time to ask yourself two questions. Usually I say, is my child being bullied? But this time around also, is my child suicidal? And that is a bona fide fact. She talked about the fact that if you're taking care of adults and they suddenly are fine when they've not had a history of being fine, hopefully you listen to the podcast so you know what I mean. Please be aware that they might need more attention at this point in time and don't listen to their oh yeah, go ahead, go have a fun or whatever, or whatever, okay? And then she talked on food and exercise, all the things that I like, you know, and how that 
affects you ultimately and makes you wholesome. She talked about a lot of things and I'm so happy that she came today and she made it and she taught us and she took us to church like the black folk will say and she just kind of you know laid it all out. So thank you so much Dr. Heather Hamastet for just being one of us and for writing on our pages and I think you got two pages today so yeah I think you deserve two episodes. <laughs> really, really, you know, just made my, my day and made my, my, and hopefully our, our listeners have also learned a thing or two. And you can always press rewind and go back and say, what did she say again about X? And then learn it again. You know, this is not for you. And of course, if it's not for you, that means you should share, right? Subscribe, share, and write me a comment. I really, really appreciate it. All right. So um, I'm going to say goodbye. This is Dr. Lulu. This is the momatrician. This is a parent coach telling you all, as parents, you know, it is hard. I know it is hard, but it's also the best doggone thing you ever did. So go out there and be the best parent you can be. And I'll have y'all next week, okay? Peace out.